Welcome to the Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. Guys, welcome, welcome back. Um, I've got a very, very, a very good special episode today. A uh, friend of mine who's well, he's recently become a friend of mine, actually, um, which I'm actually blessed to have him uh, be introduced to this guy. Uh, it's Jack Nasher. He's the author of one of my favorite books that I've read through this pandemic. It's called um, Competence. And, um, sorry, convinced. <laughs> That's the whole message in it. You've got to be competent. And um, it's, it's just a fantastic read. It, it's, it covers everything from persuasion, body language, turning out as your best self. Um, this guy, you know, is it, it's, it's, it's no joke. You know, he is a master negotiator. Uh, he really understands his, his topic. He's had phenomenal testimonials from Robert Caldini, the head of Aston Martin, um, Andy Palmer, the C yeah, Andy Palmer, uh, Dominic Barton, the global manager and partner of McKinsey and Company, Michael Wheeler, Harvard Business School. Um, he's a fantastic dude. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to actually introducing you to him and seeing what he has to say. I mean, I've got questions for him that I want to quiz him on, but I, I deliberately chose these questions to to make sure he's able to share what I've got from the book and hopefully we can kind of pull other, so, some other sort of information out as well. And again, guys, like always, if you've got any questions, throw them in the question box at the bottom here and um, we'll look to answer them towards the end of the, the live. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, yeah just, sure. Just sharing a bit of um, information about yourself there. Um, but, but further to that, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm just reading through your bio now. And, and for the audience to understand, mm -hmm. you, you, you study, you studied and taught at Oxford University. University. Yeah. Uh, you're currently a professor at professor at Munich Business School. Mm -hmm. over, so you're over in, in Germany now, okay. and and the faculty at Stanford University. Mm -hmm. You've earned your stripes at the European Court of Justices, at the United Nations in New York City, and at Wall Street's leading law firm, Skadden. Reading, reading and influence people is your expertise. His books are multiple bestsellers and, and have appeared in Germany, Russia, China, and many other countries. Articles from about them have appeared in the leading international publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, China Times, Zeit, and Forbes. You're an avid you're an avid mentalist and regularly demonstrates mind mysteries at Hollywood's Magic Castle. That's something that I haven't actually put on my list of questions, like getting into, yeah. <laughs> getting into that. But after, after look, like watching a few interviews and obviously reading your book, and you know, the first sort of thing I wanted to kind of dive into is how it all started, your story. But the magic thing, it, it kind of, I don't know, am I right in saying that's where it kind of all, all stemmed from? Yeah, I was a magician when I you know, went to, to school in high school uh, in the U.S. Um, I was a hobby magician. I, actually, I, I wanted to become a professional magician. I worked in restaurants and, uh, well, going from table to table, demonstrating card tricks, which was actually great because uh, that's how I learned to approach a cold set, you know, people I've never met. Amazing. And, uh, of course, people throwing insults at you because they think you're just a beggar. So, you know, they don't know what, what the hell you want, you know. And uh, people saying, you know, just, just get the fuck out of here. 
uh, we're talking about a divorce or, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, not exactly uh, the best yeah, scenario yeah. to drop a match. No, not at all. Not at all. But it's what, funny. Get rid of him? Uh, <laughs> and it's like uh, Darren Brown did that too, by the way. Uh, yes. Mentalist I greatly admire uh, from, from the UK. And, uh, you, you know, it's, it was great. Also because, you know, uh, you, you perform a magic trick probably 40 times a night and you become really good. And that's one of the things to become really good at something. You just have to do it over and over. Nobody was born great. You know, all the great acts I've seen. Um, it's it's all about. I was just listening to a podcast by David Copperfield. Also said that you know he performs, I think, almost a thousand shows um, a year. Wow! Uh, he's been doing that for the last forty years or so, and still he always has a headset and he tells like every for every show there's improvements. So so he's he's constantly talking to his director and telling him, okay, so for the next show we have to change this this this. And he, he never stops. So it's never yeah. perfect. And he says that, you know, it's just mastery, uh, excellence comes through uh, practice. I guess the same way as being a, you don't say pickup artist anymore, right? <laughs> no, we kind of evolved from that. But, but you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, and I'm, I'm one too that has studied a lot of Darren Brown's work. Um, you know, many sort of other mentalists. And that it is, it, there's so many things that resonate with me in terms of just building up that data, building up the reference points, you know, getting all those approaches in, those interactions, because if you've been there so many times before than the average guy, then by definition, you're gonna make impact. You're gonna, you're gonna have to, you make it more, you make it more fruity for yourself every time that you make mm -hmm. an approach. And if you're being more creative every time, then by definition, that person is going to experience. Yes. And, and also it's about being able to handle a no, you know, which is very difficult. And I think that it's also one of the reasons why uh, women very often have a hard time uh, negotiating. They just don't want to. And, you know, there are countless uh, studies showing that women are reluctant to negotiate. I think one of the reasons is they can't deal with a no because they're just not used to it. As a guy, you're just, you know, inherently used <laughs> to yeah. being told to just piss off uh, <laughs> and so, so you kind of learn to handle that uh, and I think it's a real important lesson and also it's one of the things I you know my, my uh, you know I give a lot of negotiation trainings and uh, one of the practices is just to uh, get out there after day one and just get no's so make exorbitant yeah. rate, ridiculous offers uh, so you know you will listen to a no but you will notice that if you get a no it's not the end of the world you know no, it's so I mean, funny you say that because like one of my the exercises I give guys that, that have a fear of approaching is to go out there and try to get the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And they're always so pleasantly surprised of how, yeah. you know, the ridiculous things that they come up yeah. with, they never get the fuck off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, well, actually, yeah, probably sometimes you even get, you know, people to tell you to fuck off. But so what? It's the same in a negotiation, you know? Yeah. What's a no? So, you, you know, you, you make a deal with someone else. And it's one yeah. of the lessons. Don't fall in love with a car or a house. Fall in love with three. You know, otherwise, you won't get a good deal. Probably the same is, in your, is, is, is in your a, business. Is that a rule for your love life as well, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. Well, it shouldn't be. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things. So being a mentalist, uh, you know, is all about. And that, that's why I love giving, giving a mentalism shows, even though... 
I don't have the time right now, but but I'm working on one with uh, Luke Germain, who is a you know also a British mentalist who worked with uh, Darren Brown on his specials and with Dave Copperfield, who's a great great mentalist. I think probably the the greatest one who ever lived. And I'm working with him on a show to kind of bring together mentalism uh, sh shows like suggestions, hypnosis uh, techniques on stage, but also negotiation like live negotiations, influencing people on stage, influencing the audience. So that's, you know, interesting. I just love to enter. It's really, people. it's really, it's really cool that, you know, you're able to still um, incorporate what originally got you in onto this path in, into the world of work. Because as you said, you, you have this coaching company, you teach people how to negotiate properly and to have this run alongside as well. I mean, it, it, it seems like a great little passion project. Yeah, I mean, just influencing people is just, you know, that's what it is. I mean, if, yeah. if you know, you li we live in modern times and it's not about uh, forcing people physically, you know, which probably sometimes works, I'm, I'm sure. But we just live in civil a civilized world. I'm very happy about it. Um, so that means you want to, you have to, you know, get people to say yes. And I think it's it's a great thing to understand the mind. And it's very complicated. It's not that easy. But to understand the mind and how to read and influence people. What, you know, how people decide. And you mentioned my book, Convinced. It's mm -hmm. about how to convince other people of yourself that they think, okay, he or she is the best yes. lawyer, accountant, whatever you, it is you do. And because people are very irrational, how they form uh, impressions of people. And the question is, how can you hack that? And, and that's, and that's what, what I want to get into. That's what I want to get into with our time together here right now, because I think you you really did write it. You did some fantastic work in that book. There's a lot of great case studies and research that went into it. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, stuff that I'm looking at and it's just some, some of them, sometimes I get those aha moments. And then there's some stuff I've recognized that I haven't touched on for a while. And I've started to incorporate that back into my work as well. So thank you for that. Um, one thing that really um, stuck out for me was a, was a great sort of, almost like a cheat sheet of how to be your be presentable as your best self. You know, you talked about the the hairline, you talked about the tan, you talked about styling, you talked about yeah. height, heights, all of that kind of stuff. Let's go that into was, that. Yeah, that, that was really interesting because it was, uh, you know, a, a pal of mine uh, in Germany who um, was a researcher studied uh, attractiveness, uh, physical attractiveness, and it's unpublished research for, for some reason. He just did it to, um, to get his PhD, basically, and he never really, w w you know, was just always interested in the matter, but not into, you know, becoming well-known or anything like that. But it's unbelievable um, the factors that make somebody attractive um, are, are really interesting. And, and, and some things like, uh, for example, um, uh, tan is, is so much more important than so many other than the nose, for example. Like a nose is almost unimportant, unless of course it's like really super big or super ugly. Uh, and unfortunately, negative things always having more weight than positive things. It's like a negative impression is stronger than a positive impression. Yeah. Negativity unfortunately trumps positivity in in yeah. impression management. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so the nose almost uh, unimportant. The the jawline is very important, but there there's some uh, ways you can improve that. And you know, it's only a chapter in my book, and and I I always thought that, you know, it's well obviously you know I'm not a makeup artist, I'm not a, a surgeon, but there's some things you can really change quite easily, and just understanding them, also understanding how physical attractiveness influences you. 
I thought yeah. that was really unbelievable that even toddlers prefer other children who are physically attractive, that even parents love children more they consider to be attractive. And uh, it's quite shocking, actually. And, and yeah. even attractiveness is even important in same-sex, heterosexual relationships. So if we're pals, um, yeah. the, um, the fact that I'm so beautiful, obviously, right? Yeah. I can see yep, that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, really positively influences our relay and that you're, you know, you're right. such a handsome man. But, oh, but, but seriously, that, that even us without any sexual interest, it still makes a, an, an enormous difference. Um, actually, some research even saying that it's the most important factor of a relationship, regardless of the nature of the relationship. And I think that's, that's uh, quite bold to say, but I, I, I think, um, well, you know, it's just a chapter about physical attractiveness and yeah. about being popular. It's actually the chapter is called How to Be Beautiful and Popular, I think. And it just gives you the results of the research of how to, well, how to be popular, what to do in order to be liked by people, which is also, of course, very, very important. And but I think as well, it's like, it's like um, if we look at advertising, you just don't use unattractive people in advertising. So that, that, I mean, there it is in the world of influence and persuasion, you know, yeah. there's the rule. I hear Mike just said it. We're attracted by, uh, to beauty, if, uh, and we are. But yeah. the extent uh, is just unbelievable. And if you ask people, uh, so how important on a scale is attractiveness to you? They say, well, not, not that important, you know. But they don't know. It's, yeah. it's bullshit. We don't know uh, subconsciously. But but and that that's and you know, he has a hierarchy like my, my, uh, the researcher Martin uh, Martin Grundel. That's his name as a hierarchy of what, what are the most important factors of attractiveness are. And you can go through it as a list and say, okay, you know, I could change this and that quite yeah. easily. And uh, other things, you know, aren't, aren't as important as I thought. And, and, you know, it is always about being like, if you want to convince people, if you want to exert influence, you always have to stick to being yourself. So don't, don't be somebody you can't be, but there are some things you can do. I mean, you can get a different haircut without changing your personality, of course. You know, yeah. you can change your shirt without changing your personality. Things like that. I think the authenticity is important. Um, but there are just some things you can still change. And, you know, people say, oh, okay, so you want to influence people. So you have to, I have to change myself. Well, you change yourself all the time. When you comb your hair, you make it look yeah. differently. Uh, of course, women, when they use makeup and lipstick, you know, basically it's all a lie. It's all bullshit. That's not fraud. how they, it's fraud. <laughs> That's not how their lips look. They wear high heels, you know, they, uh, you know, they're perceived as being taller than they really are. Uh, so everything you do pretty much, you know, is a deception and you have to face it. It's, you know, we're manipulating all the time because we want people to like us. We want people to. It's interesting. Uh, isn't it? and, and, and that word like manipulation carries such a negative connotation to it. Yeah. But every time we step out the door. Like better, yeah. It, yeah, it's good. It's, I think I mean, it's better. Yeah, right. Okay. So I'm here in my, my mom's. Uh, garden actually because it was my birthday it was my birthday yesterday and we had the family oh, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. thanks 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 and right. so okay that's like the ugliest building in the garden but okay yeah that's nice to see. okay so yeah i'll say like manipulation is, it's, it's, it's um is all around us you know i mean we we as soon as we leave the house we're open to being manipulated you know a billboard saying we have to buy that a taxi you know saying this that, that the iphone you have to have the latest iphone this, that, and the other, other people trying to influence you and persuade you. So if you're lacking the knowledge of how to persuade and influence people in the direction that you want, then you're at a loss. Most important is having your ethics and your moral fiber in the right place, of course, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I have to, I have to, you know, also I have to be honest, I don't care about that. 
because it's I think it's a private matter. I don't tell people about ethics because and people sometimes say, well, where where is the chapter on ethics? Uh, and I said that that's just not my topic. I'm I'm interested in it on a personal level, but I'm not your mm. father. You know, I'm not a priest. Sure. You have to sure, decide sure. yourself uh, how to use the techniques. I mean, imagine uh, all this advice going through a moral filter. You know, and I would mention a lot of stuff because that's an I interesting thought, point. Because I thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't like that uh, to be used, but I'm like a good doctor. I'm telling you how to influence people, how the dynamics of the brain work um, in order to uh, get what you want. And other than that, it's up to you to decide. So how, how, how often do you think we need to be thinking about, um, about that perceived first impression? Uh, well, I mean, the first impression is important because it influences everything that follows. Uh, that's called the primacy effect. It's like a halo yeah. that shines over everything. So it's a halo effect, the primacy, uh, called the, like a particular halo effect called the primacy effect. Um, so everything that, you know, from the very beginning. So if you think, if, if I gave you some words about a, a, a person X, and I, I started with intelligent, um, industrious, uh, stubborn, and so on. And, but you, I started with intelligent. Okay, mm -hmm. you would have, t chances are, and I've done that with, with my audiences, chances are that 80% will, will have a positive impression of the person. So even if you read something like stubborn, you see it in the light of intelligence. Now, if I, you know, just change the order uh, and start with something like, um, with something negative, like stubborn, and then later come to an intelligent, you will have a more negative impression because you see everything in the light of stubbornness. And that's, it's a that's, really, really, really interesting point you're tapping into. And I think when you, when you, I was reading through your book, I had in mind uh, how you would write an email. And I, I can't remember if that was an example in there, but that's something that I was computing at the time, how you'd, you'd never really start an email with an, with a, if you've got bad news, you were talking about how to deliver bad news. You'd never sort of lead with the bad news. And then, you know, it kind of gave, it was like a, a structure that we talked about. And it was like, a, I had to sandwich it all together. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, basically, you always have to start with the good news yeah. um, because everything that follows, so even if you have bad news as well, they will look better in the light of the good news. So always start with the good news. And, um, of course, you're not going to say, okay, I have good and bad news. Let me start with the good news. You know, that would ruin them. You just yeah. start with the good news, then you give the bad news, and then yeah. because of something called the recency effect, that's the last impression and the last... Yeah. The last impression is very important, but it doesn't influence everything else, but it's the one that sticks to people's uh, memory, uh, so, which is why it's important. So if you have good and bad news, or if, if you sell something, always start with the best argument. Or if you want to, if I want to sell a house, you know, um, no, there's, a, there's a great, great analogy that you gave in the book, how the, the estate agent would move around and with the yeah, certain rooms. Yeah, exactly. So you, you should always start with the best room or with the terrace or whatever it is. That's that's the best feature of the house. Then show the, you know, mediocre or worse uh, or even bad rooms and then show the second best room or go back to the best to the terrace or, or the nice uh, drawing room. But so they leave a that positive impression You leave a positive impression. But it's very important that you always start with this, with a very, very strong, good argument that if you show your car, if you want to sell your car, don't say, oh, sorry, there is a scratch on the left. Just tell, you know, telling you in advance, uh, because then people will just look at the scratch and see everything in light of that bent or scratch or whatever. 
But if you say, look, you know, how beautiful the car, look at the, I don't know, the leather, it's in an impeccable condition and so on. So it's really important that, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, see how important the impact of the order is uh, of your arguments. It's a great, great point to make us more aware of, really is. I mean, I can, I can, I can even myself, I've you know, not been conscious of that at times, you know, and, and perhaps for, oh, well, look, just to let you know, this is, this here here is a bit fucked, but this is, you know, so it's, it's a great thing to bring back into our awareness. It's so simple, and it's something yeah. where you don't have to change your personality, nothing. And it, interestingly, when, you know, of course, I, I observe politicians or, or CEOs, they know what they're doing. A lot of them, they, like Steve Jobs was a great example because he did it like very deliberately and you could really say it's like a perfect example of, of how he uses it. Yeah, yeah. It's no coincidence, you know, that they are where they are. Let's talk about, um, you know, when, you, when, you, when we move on to the subject of politician, people of notoriety, um, you know, people in public speaking positions, what is the art of talking yourself up? Yeah, how to delicate, delicately manage that? What is the correct and wrong way of doing it? What, what do you mean? How to talk? Like, for example, I mean, you you you've got Trump, for example. You know, he'll 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 be on stage. You know, go, I'm the best at this. I'm amazing. You know, I've, I'm the, I'm the you know talking himself up, and people really buy into that frame. Now, mm. is that a tried and test me tested method that works? Well. Yeah, well, well talking yourself up like Trump does. I mean, it's it's uh, really interesting that you know there there was a lot of research actually conducted on, and I have a Harvard Business uh, Review article on that. If if people are interested, you can you can uh, Google it um, to uh, to show competence, uh, show confidence, uh, and and that's basically the message in a nutshell. Yes. Yes. So talking your, uh, I mean, uh, if because people want somebody who's confident. Very simple. If if you're if you go to a lawyer and he says, "Nah, I'm not sure," you know, very tough. I think it's very improbable. I don't know. If, you know, I'm not great. I'm a good lawyer. I'm not the best there is. You know, would you like that? Of course not. We don't like modesty. I mean, we 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 do. We talk about modesty. It's a great trait and it's it's nice. But we want we want certainty. We want certainty. If if yeah. we want if you know we entrust somebody with our lives or with our money. We want somebody who's very self-assured and who gives us a great feeling and who makes us, uh, you know, who, so, so we know he or she is confident. And it's the same. I mean, when Trump, uh, you know, started saying, okay, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, I thought, you know, in theory, it works, but not to that extent. Right. I was wrong. So yeah. uh, <laughs> at least around, let's say, around 50% of the people it worked on that. Uh, so, you know, usually I would, you know, always do it more subtly, but yes, show confidence because people don't want somebody uh, who is, who's very unsure, uh, uncertain of, of him or herself. So, yeah. So, yeah, if you're, if you're sure of yourself in a certain area, you've got the experience and the reference to back it up, just be bold, right? Be bold and, uh, just, um, you know, show, don't, don't ponder, um, you know, people want somebody who really get, you know, creates the impression of knowing what he or she is doing of course if you know you're going to fail don't do it then you're then you're a fraud but yeah. uh, if if you will do quite well you know just you know people and I, you know i said in the book and i, I always say uh, people don't choose what they like best people choose what they fear least and that makes a huge difference you know people choose what they fear least because of something called loss aversion we're more motivated to uh, avoid the loss than, than to gain something because of our evolutionary past.
interesting way of putting it yeah i can see that now let's let's talk about this um concept of power talking uh something which i think you did very well to observe is the weakness that is attached to when you speak in a statement but it has that upward infliction mm-hmm. i think that was a very very useful point to uh, address yeah. would you like to share share that with the audience well, yeah, I mean, uh, that was a, you know, a study conducted and, and uh, you know, some researchers just lo- looked at language and uh, they found something they, they uh, called power talking. And power talking is something lawyers use, like the successful lawyers use, um, and the less successful law- lawyers, they, they use exactly the opposite. Um, mm. And power talking means you, avoid, you make clear statements. So instead of statements sounding like a question, adding question yeah. tags, don't you think mm-hmm. uh, you make clear statements? So a statement is a statement, and it doesn't sound like a question, like that. That infliction. Yeah. So if people yeah. are very careful and very modest, and you know they kind of. Are it, it, sound, it, sound, it sounds like you know from from what we're talking about here. On one side, we're talking about certainty. When you're talking yourself mm-hmm. up, you come from a place of certainty, and then when you have mm-hmm. that infliction in your statements. It puts yeah. across the fact you're coming from a place of uncertainty and doubt, right? Exactly. It's always the same, basically, that doubt. And it's a good thing. Let me just change the light a little. I think mm-hmm. because your light is... We're getting, so we're, getting, we're getting so many angles from you today. I know. So many angles. <laughs> house, different houses. That's a nice one. I want to have a nice background. You know, look at this piece of shit. Huh? Look how ugly it is. That's... <laughs> Post-war, a tour, a, a tour post-war, that's what happened, yeah, but, you know, that's Germany after the war. Well, they had it coming, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> that's a whole new, that's, that's a whole different... Uh, it's a whole different, but look at this, <laughs> you know, they really unbelievable. Anyway, okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry, what, what was the question again? We, we were talking about the... Um, the upward infliction, how that is more of coming of a place exactly. of doubt. Exactly, yeah. and th- there you see it. So, so everything, if you know, so it's always bad um, if you want to convince people that you show doubt, uh, uncertainty, and um, yeah, it's, it's basically in a nutshell. So, if if you really want to convince people, it's important that you use a powerful language, meaning that no upward infliction, that meaning very clear statements. Um, and you're very sure of what you're doing and saying. Even, of course, as an intelligent person, you do doubt yourself because you never know, right? Um, Of course, but you keep these doubts to yourself because all you do with that is making people afraid and um, doubt you. So obviously you're gonna say, well, you know, there's a a chance of, of, of failure, certainly, but you came to the right person. Don't worry. You know, you have one thing less to worry about it when I handle your matter. So and that's basically what, yeah. what, what we're saying. I, I mean, like, that. like in my negotiation institute, you know, we give seminars, negotiation trainings, and, you know, sometimes HR people want to book us and they have different, they look at different negotiation companies and they're always afraid. I mean, what really, I understood that um, a few years ago, applying my own theory to, to, my, to my life is that basically these HR people, what motivates them is fear. They're scared to pick the wrong guy. So somebody gives a course and people say, you know, who put this idiot in front of the group? 
You know, he's an idiot. He's boring. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Aha, it was HR. It was, I don't know, Stephen from HR. So it's fear. So one thing, if, if people book us, our company, all we do in our pitch, and we don't really, yeah, okay. So if, if you convince them, if they ask us, why should we book you? We give them a good reason. We say, look, you know, this is our client list. If you book us, you have uh, one thing less to be worried about. Just go for a walk. You know, you can do whatever you want to. You're in the hand. We're not cheap, but then you are in the hands of true professionals who know what they're doing. I like that. And, and that is, uh, and that sounds cocky. I agree, but they don't, you know, for them, imagine you're an HR person and your job is probably your asses on the line and you hear that all of a sudden you think, okay, probably, you know, they're quite cocky, but why are they so cocky? Probably, you know, they, they must be really good. And it really gives you the feeling, oh, okay, I trust them. And when people make a decision, they're like deer, they're easily scared. They want you to assure them everything is going to be fine. You are the right person for it. You will take care of it. And that's exactly what we do. We tell them, you know, we're the best. I mean, look, look at our credentials. This is where, you know, published in Forbes. I, I write the Forbes list of the 10, top 10 world's uh, changing negotiations. You want this guy or some, you know, want to save yeah. a few thousand uh, and have people, you know. It's like IBM used that technique um, uh, for their salespeople. It was called FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. In the 1980s, when small computer companies were popping up, IBM salesmen would, would create fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the other companies and tell people, hey, do you really want to work with that software company? Do you know what can happen? And you know what? Nobody gets fired for hiring IBM. That was their slogan. Nobody wow. gets fired for hiring IBM. So it's exactly that. You're basically understanding that it's fear that drives people. It, it, it is. Um, there was something that came to mind just then. The power, the power of being nice. The power of being nice. Um, what I'm partic- what, what I'm, what I am moving us in the direction of is when it comes to compliment, complimenting your peers, your colleagues. Um, something I shared in my audience as well, which I got from your book, is is about praising institutions. Um, even if you, because this, this is stemming from the thought you said, you keep your bad thoughts to yourself, keep your doubt to yourself, and that's something you mentioned when it comes to, you know, even your peers, colleagues, etc. You tell us a bit about that. Well, um, it's like Napoleon used to say. He says, "I rule with toys," and what he meant uh, were medals. So he was giving out medals to people, and he say, and, and uh, that created loyalty, and it manifested uh, his position because medals or uh, compliments always come from top to bottom. So you can always compliment somebody, and you know nobody will say, "Well, how how do you dare compliment me?" Uh, but it's something nice. It's a very nice way of establishing, again, yourself as being socially superior. And it's, it's all a power game. It's your confidence, uh, power talking, and also having a high status. Now, when I give out compliments, it's the best way. But you have to be, you know, make compliments that are honest. Don't just say, well, you did a great job. That doesn't, you know, what, what does that say? Nothing. Mm, mm. Tell them what you liked. Like if somebody comes up to me after a talk and says, great talk, I just yeah. think, mm, okay. It's just a throwaway. It's a throwaway it's comment. It's just throwaway, yeah. yeah Especially yeah. if you're in the U.S., 
that's just what people say, right? <laughs> Great job, man. Uh, oh, you're, you're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in the UK, we're probably, that, that wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, that would be the equivalent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but if somebody says, Great job, what does that mean? Um, but if they say, You know, I really liked uh, the way you didn't use slides that much, but you really talked to the audience eye to eye, and, I, you know, it was something I, I hadn't seen uh, before. Aha. Uh -huh. Now, there's a compliment that, of course, is so much stronger because what this does, it makes, you know, makes me think, okay, so this guy or, you know, whoever it was really listened, uh, that's something interesting. Well, thank you very much. I will think about that. I will remember that. And at the same time, the person manifested him or herself as having a quite high status, being able to... That's so it's so so good you you share that as well because that's that's also something I teach my clients in in regards to complimenting women, you know lazy compliments that, oh you look really nice you know I mean it's the same thing you know it's just like okay it's another throwaway comment that's not stimulated, however if you dress it up and be more detailed perhaps compliment on her thoughts or um, you know the way that she wears her makeup etc it's a bit out of the box and it shows that you know you actually put some thought into what you're saying, yeah. so yeah completely in agreement with that. What a difference it makes, huh? Yeah, really does. Really does. Uh, you you mentioned just a moment ago. I'm just going to jump in back, but about the what I read it as a social proofing. Yeah, that the importance of having social proof in order to um, influence, uh, you know, someone that's either purchasing your product or, or your peers. You know, and for the example you gave, you, know, you it was. You know, you're showing people the credentials and who's already been using you. That's your social yeah. proof. And how, how else can people use social proof to um, better their ability to persuade and influence? Well, I mean, you know, one, it's one of, of, of our you know, natural motivators that we want what other people want. And because most of the time we're right. So, you know, if there was, I don't know, uh, uh, some meat, everyone, I mean, I just knew from somebody living in, the, in Eastern Germany, he said that sometimes he would walk down the street and there was a queue. And he had no idea why. Uh, yeah, but they were a queue. just joined the queue. <laughs> that's that's because, a British thing as well. We love a queue. Yeah, yeah, with a bus. But there's a bus coming. There's a bus uh, usually coming up. But, but he didn't even know what the queue was for. And, but he said most of the time, you know, there was something. Bananas. Meat. Or, and sometimes there was nothing. And just people started a queue and, you know, randomly uh, other people joined. And there you had a queue. Probably somebody was just tying his shoelaces or something. And then there was a queue. And, um, but he, most of the time... He said there was something like 95% or something. So most of the time we're right. You know, we want what other people want because other people have quite similar needs to us. And that's how we're programmed. But of course, we can hack these programs uh, that are in us by, uh, in, you know, it's, it's the same um, if, if I want to create, have a good relationship with people. And that's what NLP taught us um, is that if you want to, have a good relationship with somebody what you do is you imitate what people what friends actually how friends behave like, like mirroring yeah like mirroring and uh pacing uh, and and you know breathing the same way making the same it's move. so powerful and it's, it's so, so powerful, powerful. because yeah. so, so it's, you know so you imitate what the goal is basically to uh and and it's the same with that you can use this uh so you know people like what other people uh want for some reason and if you if you create the impression that other people want something, of course, I mean it's it's a great tool for any negotiation. I mean, look, look at look at the rise of the Instagram influencers. 
You know, I mean, it's, it, they're built on the premise of that. You know, seeing, seeing this person that has this product or wears this yeah. item of clothing and it makes you want to want to buy that. So it's it makes you want to buy this. But if, if it's somebody you trust, yes. But also if, if there is just this entity, I mean, I was just giving a training to uh, real estate agents and one of them, like the most successful one, told us that. Uh, scarcity, uh, the, the, you know, creating the impression that other people want something. So if, if he just says, well, we just got another offer for the house, he says, then they really yeah. want it. That, that's all he has to say. I, 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 I tell you what annoys me is when you, you go on a property viewing and they've done a, a, a group viewing, like that's another tactic because it makes you want to yeah. be like, oh, I want to put the offer in here. Yeah. I want to beat these other guys. It's very clever. Yeah, I, very I always suggest, I always suggest uh, having group viewings. If you, you know, sell your car, if you want to rent out or sell your apartment or house, but you know, sometimes you can, if it's a luxury property, people will just be upset what the hell's going on, but then you should always have overlapping uh, viewings so that people see each other coming in and out. That's um, so funny. I used to, we used to do that when, um, you know, getting rid of a motorbike or something like that that I used to have you know overlap the uh, the viewings yeah it works <laughs> it does work yeah it's, it's very it's very basic things um especially this this scarcity effect how how this works i mean i remember one negotiation where we really um they, they called me they said oh we have this crucial company have this crucial uh, negotiation uh, with a supplier and it's 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 the only uh, it's the only one uh, so we have no power in the negotiation. We have two hours. What, what are we going to do? And what, what we did is, okay, I said, we, we don't have time, but let's just print out their competitors' websites. We didn't even have time to get brochures or anything. So we just printed out their websites, stapled them together, put some post-its in them, and just, you know, they, we just put them everywhere. So the other company, they came inside and said, oh, oh, so we're not the first uh, to to, uh, to uh, visit you. Huh? Yeah. We didn't, yeah, we didn't lie. We didn't say anything. We just smiled. And uh, we got a pretty good deal, not a great deal, but a pretty good deal, especially compared to the power imbalance. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things you can do it very subtly. People thinking, oh, OK, other people want him or her or the company want to do business with them, too. So the worst thing I always tell the students, the worst thing you can say if you apply to to for, for a job or a university is to say, I only applied here. I only applied to you. You know, that might be flattering, but on the other hand, and it's very stupid. I used to do the interviews at Oxford University for the um, uh, undergrads for economics and management, ENM. And if somebody, you know, would tell me I only apply to Oxford University, that's it. I just really want to study here. It was flattering to me. I thought, okay, nice, but I felt like a, like an emperor, you know, like a, I could just put thumbs up, yeah. with a, a th a thumb down. And um, that's not good if somebody else said, oh, you know, I'd love to study here, really. It was always my dream, but of course, you know, I, um, you know, I had to apply to some other university. I, as a matter of fact, I'm talking to, um, to, to U.S. University tomorrow, uh, second Skype uh, interview, and I'm, I'm flying to St. Andrews next week or whatever, you know. Suddenly, in my mind, I thought, okay, wow, we have to get her before she signs with someone else. So even myself, I mean, it works on me too. The, you know, even though I talk about it, I write about the scarcity effect, social proof. It still works on me. It's unbelievable. It's, it's that... funny because they, they, they say like um, the easiest person to sell to is a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's odd, you know, I mean, yeah. but, it, but I guess it's true. Um, we're only well, human beings at the end of the day. 
we're human beings. I, I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing because sometimes I still, ah, I say, okay, that, so that was the technique that's being used. Uh, so you kind of still see it. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I get it. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine is just, uh, just wants to buy an apartment. He's just writing me right now. I see his messages popping up. Uh, right. And he sent me a draft. He wanted to make an offer for an apartment. And it was horrible because basically what he was saying is that I loved your place. I really want your place. Now it's only about, would there still be room for, for negotiation? And that's pretty much the worst thing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's really, it's all, it's cute, but it's, it's a horrible because just don't do that. I mean, basically the, the approach is to be super polite and nice. Don't say, oh, what a piece of shit, but I would make you an offer, obviously. I'm, uh, looking at several, um, several properties right now. And, you know, I would make you, I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I wanted to, live in a different location, but it was very nice talking to you. This is the offer I would make. I think it would be fair. This is how I calculate. Always ignoring how the other calculated his or her offer. It's only about your offer um, and how you come to a fair price. And you have to look for, uh, you know, comparable properties that, of course, are, in, you know, are perfect, uh, are perfectly relevant for you. So you have to get some, you know, just say, okay, I looked up some other properties in, in the area and come up and show them the three cheapest ones you found, you found and give them the number. Say, I think that's, that's very fair. Um, I would uh, look forward to hearing from you until June uh, 8th because I have to make some other offers otherwise. So always create the impression that, yes, you're very polite, but you have so many other options. Um, yeah. But being nice, uh, you know, not, not being cocky uh, about it, uh, but being, being nice about it and saying, I think that's the important the, the yeah. important bit of the puzzle there. When you've got those options, is to be, you, you know, very nice about it. Yeah, especially Literal. the tougher you are in the negotiations, the kinder you are. That's um, a very important it, point. Yeah. So the the higher your anchor, the tougher your counteroffer, the nicer you have to be. So it's like Harvard, uh, the Harvard negotiation always said, separate the people from the problem. Okay, so I can be super nice to you and still tackle the problem in front of us very aggressively. But you are not the problem. The problem is a problem and you're a person. You're a human being. Yeah, not to take it like personally, not to have ego get in the way. Yeah, yeah it's like saying, Johnny, you know, I, I love doing business with you, but I really wanted the car in blue. Or I, I don't, you know, I always drive BMW. That's. So I don't know the Volkswagen or whatever. It's it's really not mine, but you know I'd love to do business with you. But come on, you know let's yeah let's make it happen somehow. That you know so that, that's the way. So in, even if if I want something in a negotiation, I don't show too much interest. And I I presume I mean I only know the the game by Neil Strauss, my one of my favorite uh, books. Of yeah, all you time. said you said yeah. <laughs> And uh, they all also said that, you know, don't show too much interest. And it's like in a negotiation. You want her who's standing at the bar or, you know, wherever the supermarket. Um, um, and But the, the art is to not show too much interest, even though, of course, you have interest. And it's the same in a negotiation. You want something, but you don't, you don't want to show that you really want it. And how can you do that without being rude or cocky or whatever? That's really interesting. So, you know, what I say to my guys is like, you know, if you can't walk away from the deal, you can't get the deal. And I'm obviously referencing with women. If you can't walk away from her, you can't get her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So something else that there was definitely some uh, so much crossover between what you and I do, and um, something that jumped out the page for me was when you were talking about priming, priming to get into that 
optimal state. You made reference of um, people in athletics using it. Um, yeah, I think there's musicians there. Um, do you want to kind of share share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean the <clears throat> the first person to convince um, um, you know to, who who you have to convince about your expertise about you being the best is yourself. Yeah. If you have too much self-doubt, you won't succeed. And one of the keys is something called priming, which means that you have to lead your thoughts to um, things that are positive about yourself. It's like uh, athletes. They always, um, you know, they envision how to win. They, they in their mind, they, they run and win. Uh, or they, they score goals in their mind very clearly. And one way to do it is to answer yourself, and that's what we do in my, my training. We have a few questions such as, um, why am I great for my job? Why should people be led by me? Um, why am I the best choice for my clients? Now, these are a few questions, you have, and there, there are several more, and I give people over an hour to write down the perfect answer. What I mean by perfect answer is, look in your CV, copy and paste what's relevant to the question, and then rephrase and put it into a good answer with some bullet points. You don't have to memorize it word by word, but memorize the bullet points, then give the answer again and again. So basically, you, so you're not visualizing it, but you're just priming yourself with the thought of why you are great why people should choose you now the thing is if people ask you and people sometimes ask that and you know you've as I said when in the interviews I asked people why do you want to study here and some people couldn't answer it such an obvious question and one of the things I you know when students ask me well how do I prepare for, a, for an interview tell them you know they're always the same questions why do you want to work here why should we choose you or where do you see yourself uh, five years from, from now? By the way, five years ago, everybody answered the question wrong. Nobody thought about being locked down to your house for three months. Uh, right? <laughs> everybody was just wrong about that. But yeah. um, even though, of course, you will be wrong, but it's not about that. It's just how would you answer perfectly? And I'm sure you will come up with a perfect answer. Why are you the best for your job? Why should anyone be led by you? And the answer would be, something from your CV that shows your leadership skills and why you're a great and inspiring leader. Now, even if people never ask you these questions, and chances are that you, know, you will never be asked the questions, and yet, once you have them in your mind and you're primed with the answer, you will behave so differently. You will be yeah. so much more in control. You will show confidence subconsciously because you feel it. And that's the important thing. So it's probably the most important thing in all of my seminars is having this piece of paper in your wall. As a matter of fact, we have an online seminar today where it's going to be about that. And uh, I asked them to prepare the sheet, um, but uh, usually they don't take it seriously un until they, we pick somebody from, you know, from the participants and we just ask him or her one of these questions and you see how horrible it is if, when they can't really answer it. And then we go back and say, well, you know, why? Because you have to know the obvious. You have to be able to answer the obvious. And that is something so important. So, you know, sit down and think about your perfect answer to some of these questions. Why are you good for your job? Why should I choose you? Why should, are you the best choice for your client? And so on. And you know, some other questions that you think are important, 
write down your perfect answer, look at it again and again, keep it in your wallet or on your phone. However, but it makes such a difference, and you will see it's like priming yourself. It's like a great athlete who watches, um, who watches videos of his uh, best goals or best uh, uh, match points in, in tennis, whatever it is. That's what they do to prime it's, themselves. It's, it's such a valid point, and it's, I, I teach something very similar with my guys as well. Uh, and for anyone listening here that's, that's looking to get better with their, their dating lives, You've got to apply this in your life. So ask very similar questions about yourself. Why would you be someone great to date? You know, what, 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 is, what are the valuable things about you? You know, and you start to then turn up as that individual, coming from the place of certainty, turn up as the individual that they actually want to experience, not the shadow mm -hmm. version of yourself. So yeah, yeah, it's absolutely so important. Uh, and also affirmations as well. You know, if, if getting yourself into that state just to start conditioning yourself as the person that you want to be. Um, mm -hmm. These are these are great great points we're talking about, Jack. I can set, I can see that the audience have been really enjoying this. Everyone's getting a lot of value from it. Again, I've got a few more questions that I'm going to bring to the table, guys. If you've got questions, you've been listening, you've been enjoying it so far. There's a question box at the bottom here. Throw your question in there, and we'll go through them. Um, we've got about ten minutes left, so. Five more minutes for us talking and we'll, we'll hand over to see what the audience have got. Virgin. Virgin, can you explain the power yeah. of it? Well, uh, that's it? Just, <laughs> so it's just something, uh, um, a phrase coined, a term coined by Robert Gialdini, the author of the great book Influence. And yes. um, what it means is, so if, if you praise things or institutions you're associated with, so instead of saying, I'm great, you praise, I don't know, okay, so in, in my case, uh, I, pray, I mean, I'm a professor at Munich Business School. I praise Munich Business School. I say, you know, really, I have to say, you know, I've been working there for a while now, but I think it's a great school. It's very international. It's right in, in Munich, you know, one of the best-run economies in the world. Um, super uh, super uh, successful city with BMW, Allianz, and Munich Business School is very, very connected with that. It's, you know, great students from, from all over the world. Now, what happens is I don't praise myself, obviously, but I praise something I'm closely associated with. So it's uh, burging means basking in reflected glory. So it's, uh, so I'm basking in the glory that is reflected by my association with, with it. So basically, it's praising, praising the, whatever you're associated with. And a lot of people, you know, do the opposite. They they say that, you know, I don't know. Okay, so I studied at Oxford, but to be honest, wasn't great. You know, it's a has great this, PR move. It, it has. It, I've spotted this in some really good PR people. Uh, it, it has this great. Uh, it has this great reputation, but you know, yeah, it's all about PR. But you know, so what do I do here? I'm doing exactly the opposite. You know, so it makes the impression of myself. Uh, you know, low, so if I talk about my last job or about my last boss, I say it was bullshit. The company was bullshit. It was chaos. Horrible. What happens yeah. here is that, you know, I kill my own impression. I'm basking in reflected unglory, uh, reflected failure. That's it. That's all it is. So instead of praising myself, I praise whatever I am associated with. That's what he was talking about. I love that. It's, it's so effective. And um, again, it's, it, it ties in with the halo effect as well. Mm. Right. If you're associated with this positive institution, then yeah, it reflects on you. It, it's really great. Um, mm -hmm. How do we meet? Somebody's asking how, how we met. Oh yeah, for a mutual friend, our, our dear friend Andrew. Yeah. Uh, kind of put us together. 
At Groucho. Yeah. Groucho, the club in London, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great club, uh, yeah. He, and Andrew's there like almost every night. He misses it now. He can't wait. He's always, every week he's trying to drag me to the club. I'm like, Andrew, I've got, I'll come. You know, it's, it's once now and again. I'm not there every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also a member of Soul House now, so probably he's going to uh, move around now. And it's funny that it's one week before this whole Corona thing, he became a member of Soa House and went to almost, I think, every Soa House in London. Uh, really funny. Oh, yeah, you've got to do the Soa House tour. Yeah, that was great. There was so many because, you know, I, I live in Germany, so I didn't know there were so many Soa Houses in, in London, but great. And yeah. It was just one week before Corona. So, we, you know, just before, I, I was exhausted anyway, so I needed a break. They have one in, they have one in Germany? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, no, so not sure. We just have one in Berlin. It's a great place, though. Here's, here's a question here um, from I am Quentin. Uh, should mm -hmm. I convince people or should I talk in a way that they are going to be convinced by themselves? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, of course, the nicest way if, if people, if, if you lead people to talking themselves into something, that is the most elegant way. And, uh, you know, the book Convinced is about more about convincing about yourself as a person, so much about coming up with an argument that's convincing. But yes, the best way to lead people is to ask questions that stir them, that frame them in the right direction. Absolutely. Great, great question, great answer. Uh, well, there's another question. If my opponent by, uh, oh. cannot separate uh, the the people from from the problem, well, what do you do then? Basically, if you ha if you negotiate with somebody who's very disrespectful or who doesn't, uh, you know, who's just very aggressive, you should stop negotiating about the issue. You should start negotiating about process first and say, okay, let's. So you know what I mean. So so change the negotiation topic from the issue. Say, stop. Let's go on a different level right now. And you know, I would really like to talk about the issue at hand. I notice it's very personal to you. May I ask, you know, what? what your motivation is um, and you know I, I think it makes more sense if we you know tackle the problem together instead instead of fighting so that's what I do I just stop the process say okay let's go for a coffee probably let's have a coffee first and really yeah. negotiate an attention negotiate about process before negotiating about the issue mm. great okay there's another question here uh, about impression is it not good for us to impress ourselves and focus on impressing others? I'm, I'm not really sure if I understand the question, but... Um, Me neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but basically, I think, if, if I understand correctly, it's about... Uh, I mean, that, that's the point I was trying to make with priming. You first have to convince yourself of your abilities. You first have to think about your strengths before you want to convince somebody else. So it's not so much about using techniques, you know, just move this way, move that way to convince people. No, it's all coming from inside of you. Yes. Mm. Uh, here's a question from Hugo. Is it true that relationships have good impact on mental health? Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, if you think about <laughs> the impact a toxic relationship can, can have on you, that certainly has a, an impact on your mental health, the amount of emotion that you invest in, the obsession that, that is created in, in trying to move someone into a, a place of um, emotional availability when they are not showing their full hand. That's, 
Yeah, I mean, also like every every you know research, big research project on happiness uh, will tell you that the most important thing for for you know people to be happy, um, human beings, is the relationships. It's not obviously it's not money. Obviously, it's not any. Um, yeah, it's just you know how many friends if you spend time with your friends and family. That is by far the yeah, most exactly. important. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the important thing we need to talk about. It's not like relationship doesn't necessarily mean. A romantic relationship it is you know relationships you have your family and, and, and your social life mm -hmm. um, there's a question here can you set a prime in within an affirmation what, what do you mean within an affirmation well an affirmation would be like a phrase perhaps that you tell yourself to you know maybe you you, you recite it every morning perhaps i mean I, or like a mantra almost mm, exactly well, what I'm, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, you can do that, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm more talking about, I mean, you, you can prime yourself with anything pretty much. I mean, there are some amazing experiments conducted with priming uh, that show you how far it goes, and some are actually disputed if they were really valid. One of the most uh, fascinating ones uh, was when people were giving. Um, Jack, I just uh, have to interject oh, yeah. oh. we got one minute oh, and one 20 minute. time. Oh, okay. uh, all right. down um but we can go live yeah. again if you want to continue on you happy to do that for a, no a I, I think let's 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 do some other time because i think one hour yeah. is good uh, so we you know we're yeah. going to put this online i think you know attention span over one hour right. but Quick, I, I, i'd love Jack, to meet you again where, where where can people find out about you the nasher.com that's where our seminars are and of course the book convinced uh yeah. on amazon Guys, you know wherever. Recommend it. Go, go and get the book seriously i've read it um it's a fantastic read uh, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, but yep, Jack, thanks for coming on. Look at us applying scarcity right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's Instagram, what can we do? <laughs> yeah, all right, and Jack, well, yeah, I think we'll do, we'll definitely do a, a part two to this sometime in the future. Yeah, and um, love Yep, it had a fantastic time speaking with you. Great, thank you very much, Johnny. Thank oh, you, thank you for, for listening. Bye, guys. Oh, no worries, buddy. Hi guys, if you enjoyed the content, why not head over to my YouTube channel and hit subscribe. If you want to send me a message directly, head on over to my Instagram, London Dating Coach, where you can contact me directly.